Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Chanto. First of all, thank you so much for being here. We're live in 3D. We could have done it virtually, but it's just not the same. So I'm excited for our conversation. We met actually at the uh, 4M event, went through the program together. So we're uh, fellow cohorts. But before we get into the gem dropping, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So Lifeline Systems. Give me the two minute story behind how we got to Lifeline Systems. Well, uh, first want to thank you for having me on here. And I'm really excited to share with everybody. What we have here in the making is Lifeline Systems. In essence, it's a DoorDash, Lyft, Uber Eats clone. But the difference between us is it's the same proven IPO business models, but we have changed up the financial structure. It's a membership-based platform. So there's no commissions being paid throughout the entire platform for any orders, any ride bookings, our pricing, just the operations of the revenue streams alone are transparent. We support the drivers. Really, there's just so much to, more to it that it's the simplest way to say it is that, you know, we're a DoorDash clone that does no commissions. Got it. So let's talk about your story a little bit. Where did you grow up? How, how did we get to this moment in time? Yeah. So I got to America when I was two. I was, my parents brought us over here uh, during the Vietnam War in 1980. So that, that seems like ages ago, but I mean, we're first generation here, so we're blessed to be here. And really the opportunity to get skills and go to school and just have the opportunity in America, I was able to go to school get a master's in uh, computer science, engineering, and went on and did my job, really just working for companies and years for almost 10, 15 years worked on using my skills, talents to make other people's dreams come true. Yeah. So I was able to move up in my career enough to the point where I had time to work on my own dreams with my own skills and talents. And that has brought me to being able to develop my own apps and just really work within the industry. Through that time, I was also able to work at my uncle's restaurant in the back flipping tofu like crazy. And I look over, I was like, hey, uncle, 
we're doing great. It's so busy. You know, we're making a lot of money. He's like, I got a frown on his face. I'm like, wait a minute. What's what's wrong with this picture? I say, uncle, what's going on? Oh, I got to pay my commissions for Uber Eats this week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a thousand dollars. I'm like, wow. How much is that percentage? It's 30 percent. He says, wow. you know, it's three dollars out of every ten dollars they're taking. Wow. Just for bringing the order. And then now on the delivery side, they're taking 60 percent of the drivers, delivery drivers. Wow. revenue. And a lot of times they're not transparent with uh, the surge pricing. That's not passed on to the the merchants or the couriers at all. Mm. Any type of surge pricing. Mm-hmm. Recently, Uber just had to settle with Chicago. They just a ten million dollar settlement with the city of Chicago because they were listing. It's a practice through all these third party delivery apps listing merchants on their platform without an agreement. Mm. Huge. It was huge. It was a big gripe. They would list restaurants or merchants on there with an old menu or something, charge commission, put their pricing on top, and then the restaurant wouldn't even know about it. Wow. So, yeah, that's a $10 million lawsuit just went through this past week at Mender Fang. Mm-hmm. Um, so just seeing all that, I was growing up in Milwaukee here on the south side. You know, We come from a culture of uh, I'm Laotian. And come from a culture of always, you know, wanting to help, be helpful. And hey, is there anything I can do to help this situation? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just playing off where my cultural element of that is wanting to, you know, not see my uncle frowning, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. So or and when I give the delivery order that I just cooked to the driver and they're frowning. And they're like, oh, man, forget this place. I'm not ever delivering again. They're only paying me $3. Yeah, and some, something is wrong with this picture. It's snowing out. I just slipped. It, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. So this is really just being able to grow up in that environment of you're not alone, where I see these big companies that are like, hey, they're not even supporting their drivers that are getting killed out here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, just, they don't even want give them benefits or none of this stuff. So that's what I want to do as a person. Mm-hmm. And my platform, Lifeline Systems, is going to allow me to to really um, let that excitement unfurl. Got it. So I'm curious, um, backtracking a little bit to your story, master's in computer science. Correct. Uh, what school did you go to? MSOE. MSOE. So you're one of those people. I love that. Now, if you're watching this MSOE people, I love you, okay? I do. It's a great school. It's a great school, and they turn out really, really great graduates. What was your experience like at uh, MSOE? Because they're, they're focused on engineering. Like they, um, I'm sure they have a basketball team, but they don't focus on athletics or any of that stuff. It's all about the business of engineering. So what was your experience like going through that program? It was a great experience for me. For me, it was more of a blessing. Because uh, I barely made it in. <laughs> so that little, the little opening in the door that you get, I'm going to kick it open and yeah. say, hey, look, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. What, what's the saying? A doctor that made season school is called a what? A doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so be, be barely making it in. So you barely make it into the engineering. Did you find that you were able to pick things up quickly or how was that that journey? It was a sharp learning curve. Um, When you're going into a lot of these things, it's all new experiences, you know, for especially our generation and that transition into that digital age. 
before I even started into my schooling for computer engineering, I was a journeyman two-room machinist. Okay. So, and that was through an apprenticeship. Okay. But after four years of doing that and, and on a lathe, almost get my uh, thumb cut off, it was not for me. Got so I, I said, I'm going to go do some computer stuff. And uh, I never looked back. Got it. Got it. Was it hard? You know, a lot of it was just, I didn't want, I wanted to just keep trying something new. We, I was, you know, we're still young. We're a true master is always a student. So as I wanted to just to learn something new, I had become already a journeyman. So that was pretty much the pinnacle of a two room machinist. And then I learned the G codes and all that on the CNC machine. I said, Hey, I, maybe I can, I can spin off that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I sort of cheated a little bit. My wife is a doubly, um, so she went through the uh, the rigors of the calculus and the differential equations and all the stuff. I took the technical route because I was always very practical, hands on. So I loved the, the to be the one who's doing the wiring instead of the one doing the theory. But what's funny is. I ended up doing the theory anyway at, at some point in my career. So, and so were you, you said you were um, electrical or what, what discipline of engineering? It was computer science. Computer science. That's right. And online architecture. Got it. So some of the courses, um, overlapped. I know, um, my wife at one point decided to go doubly as, as opposed to computer engineering. So, but it was rough. Like the schoolwork itself, like the coursework, because it's a different type of thinking. Um, you know, I, I never get, I started my, my digital class and the professor stands up and he says, okay, just remember, it's just ones and zeros. <laughs> and for me, I don't know about you, but it was a, it was great for me because it taught me how to work hard and it taught me how to think outside of the box. It's definitely, it gave me the fundamentals of the framework of how to work. A lot of the transition from high school to college, the, the workload just increases exponentially. Mm-hmm. So for some people, that's more of a shock. For me, I was ready for it, but it was literally, you had to scratch and crawl just to get used to it. So my first year, is it was like, that was my warming up i was really trying to just get used to college life because i wasn't on campus so i was really juggling a lot at the time so it was really trying to just get that finished and then move on to my other masters got it so now you mentioned that you you didn't live on campus was that because you had a family already or where were you in in life at that point yes i already had my my son he was already three years old at the time so I was juggling that, juggling full-time job, really not really dabbling into the entrepreneurship yet because it was, you get so used, you get almost uh, indoctrinated into, you get the degree, you get a job or you do an apprenticeship and you, you kind of live your life out like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as soon as I started getting onto higher echelons of management, I started meeting the bosses. So then I started meeting the presidents and I say, hey, why, you know, you don't ever need to question how anybody got backstage. Because then once you do that, you might be asking that, you know, the executive director, the whole thing, like I did yeah. <laughs> backstage, how did you get back here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, how did you get back here? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Look at my pass. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a good uh, rude awakening. But mm -hmm. she said, please don't ever do that again, because, you know, we gave you the ability to come back here, mm -hmm. not to question people. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that once you get to be next to your shoulder and shoulder, mm -hmm. uh, that was definitely your GPS route to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So unpack that a little bit. So one of the concepts that we like to talk about is personal mastery. Right. So we talked about you get to America at age two, get a master's in computer science. Those things don't happen without some level of mastering you, mastering Chanto. Talk about that a little bit. What are some of the, the ways that you've been able to master so that you can accomplish uh, some of the goals that you've accomplished so far? For me, it was really being able to set timelines because it was about it was never about the goals because those goals, then you break those down into attainable, reachable goals into the larger scale. But those goals didn't have a timeline. So that was a big part of being able to master that timeline and hold myself accountable because it's easy enough because nobody knew that you had to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So once it's done, then someone can know about it. But I learned that keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut because you either you either look like you're bragging or someone's going to steal your shit. Got it. Got <laughs> it. So are you a journey person or a destination? I am definitely a journey person with a destination in mind. That makes sense. Because uh, that's almost like the way that I explain fate when people ask me about fate. Mm -hmm. And they say, hey, how can you have destiny? Yeah. How can you have destiny and free will? There's, there's no way. You know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I can I explain it. Okay, well, destiny is your destination. There's the pin on the map, and your free will is the route you take there. Mm. So you're free to take any route you want. But yeah. once you embrace that you have the control in certain elements of the formula, mm -hmm. then you know you're not going to try to control the constant. You're going to try to change the variable. Mm -hmm. That's deeper than you know, Chanto. I don't know if we have time in this podcast about. <laughs> To unpack that but that is deep because when you understand that you make your bed you own your journey it's a game changer it changes the way you interact with other people it changes how you enjoy the moment it changes it really changes everything it really will cultivate an environment for epiphanies mm -hmm. that's really the best thing is to have that open mind for yourself mm -hmm. because i was closed mind a lot of times just through to you kind of grow up in life and, and you kind of get cultivated to rely on the popularity contest. Mm -hmm. So once we are, can break away from that and become an individual thinker, that's where we start becoming ourselves. Mm -hmm. I also attribute coming into my own as getting off the grid. Mm -hmm. So I was off the grid, not on social media, not really having to deal or invest in my energy mm -hmm. into really just frivolous activity. So I was off the grid for about five, six years mm -hmm. as far as just business only on the internet, mm -hmm. not even any personal social media. It was only business social media that mm -hmm. if you dug deep enough, then you would see that I was, I was under that pile of work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the early days of my my business, if I didn't tell you that I worked at a place, you would not know. Like you wouldn't be able to go on social media and see that I worked at a place for that reason, because I didn't want 
what I was doing on the side, because I've had side hustles for probably, at the time, I don't know, 15 years, right? So I was always doing a day job and always working a side gig. And so I was like almost two different people, if you will. So um, at work, I was, you know, a great employee doing doing what I needed to do. And then on the side, I was doing my stuff, And but two never, ever mixed. So I'm curious for, from you, with the way things have shifted in the marketplace, is that still the best way to approach it, in your opinion? Or is it okay to have multiple jobs and multiple things going on? I think it's up to how you're able to handle and differentiate the two. Because if they're if you're doing a job that you have two different jobs that are in one, I mean, you could be a videographer and a, maybe a sound engineer, which they are very, they almost like come hand in hand. But if you're doing like a cook and then computer engineering, it's like, don't smell like tofu at the office. <laughs> Those are the things like, hey, you know, like this guy's not a good developer he smells like egg rolls all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i can't i can't work i can't concentrate or got it something like that got it so let's talk strategy a little bit lifeline systems don't give away the farm but what are some of the high level strategies that you've taken to grow your business to where it is it comes uh with a lot of the road that's already been paid so there's new industries an entire new industries and and podcasts even that for instance my friends over at the rideshare guys podcast guys they're great they just report on these ubers these door dashes and that's where they give me a lot of my information uh the wall street journal i would say that it's just every day you're seeing something new every day there's a new update on something that is going to be legislation for the industry i really believe that the pioneering element of the industry is going strong right now. Mm-hmm. So just to be a part of that surfing on that wave is that I know there's, it has to happen. They're at the break point right now. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that we've looked at is uh, real-time safety for safety, rider and driver, real-time video streaming. That if you like, you can have a support concierge little pop-up bubble Hey, is everything okay? If it is, I'll be uh, be out of your way. Mm-hmm. If there is something, just like the uh, Milwaukee County Transit has, uh, they have safety vehicles that are driving around. So if there is something, we don't just say, oh, okay, well, I'll call 911. No, we'll have our own safety vehicles en route to you in five minutes. Mm. There's health insurance benefits that need to be offered. Uh, New Zealand just passed legislation that their gig workers are now classified as workers. Mm. So it's it's a big thing that uh, everybody's going to have to scan. They're really just running right now, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. A few months ago, I tracked the IP address back to Uber in San Francisco mm. on my website. Wow. Yeah. And they were on there for an hour, 13 minutes. They're, they're checking it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So where do you think, because you brought up a good point, I think as 2023 arrives, there are going to be more and more gig workers, more and more people who are uh, freelancers, more and more people who are non-traditional employees. What does that mean for the economy at large? I heard you mention taking care of gig workers better and passing legislation. What are some of the other things that you, you see on the horizon with respect to this, this new economy that we're about to embark on? The new economy has really been enabled by the internet of things. So as more devices and everything gets connected to the internet, that opens those additional doors for humans to interact and and to connect Mm -hmm. through these internet devices. And so that's what I see in the future is that, I mean, I I can take a picture with my light bulb and, you know, play some LEDs off it which who would have ever even thought about that? Mm-hmm. So now that does, that opens up the free thinking. Mm. So for people to think 10 years ago, say, hey, I have an app idea, but it's so daunting just how to get it done. The proposal itself is 10 pages. Mm. So, but now 10 years later, they can just go online as a drag and drop app builder mm-hmm. that they can prototype in one hour. Yeah. So that idea is now... We're able to just bring our ideas and manifest them mm-hmm. way easier mm-hmm. than just pen and paper now. Yeah. So talk about the other side of business, right? Because to have an idea and to start a business is one thing, but it's really hard <laughs> to manage, grow, and scale a business. Like, And I have the feeling that coaching is about to explode because when we see layoffs, when we see this, again, this shift in the economy, there's going to be a whole new generation, a whole new group, if you will, of of entrepreneurs who are, are entering business for the first time. And that's great. My reservation or hesitation or fear is that they are not empowered with the skills that you need to manage and grow a business. So speak to that a little bit. Do you do you see the same thing or am I crazy? How do we bridge the gap between the, the, the ideas, launching a business and being able to successfully run and grow a business? That's a great question. I think we're going to have to rely on what has worked in the past as, as far as the the model of how to implement your knowledge. Because that's what your idea really is, a knowledge or know-how that was birthed from creativity. So then you, when you take that know-how and just keep it, it's not implemented on, it just stays knowledge. So in this day and age, the action is really this. Because I, as I explained earlier, we have all the tools mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And what I've seen with the COVID and, and everybody just getting benefits and everything, it's just so much easier to just relax in front of the television and watch someone else do it. So it's the implementation of just, hey, there's so many resources here. And really anywhere, uh, the government doesn't want to have to pay, you know, these stimulus payments. It's not because of the individual it's about the whole mm. as, hey, everybody else is does not go on. Why should I? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's even hard to get Starbucks nowadays because it's just a lack of labor mm-hmm. everywhere you go. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to probably focus on for the future is really just the mindset. Mm. We have way more tools. Yeah. Almost too many. Yeah. 
and everyone even has tutorials, 100 videos on each of everything what to do. So it's really just the mentality. I think that we need to, to change and, and you know, plant a new seed uh, in, in that garden. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about Lifeline Systems and, and how you guys are going to do it differently. What's going to make you guys different? What we're going to do is that we're going to actually work with these associations and these unions and we're going to reach out to them and say, hey, look, we've read the stories. We've listened to your court proceedings. We've followed you guys. We are here to help you what the ways that Uber and DoorDash and Lyft has not. Mm-hmm. So we will reach out to all of these associations that are monitoring uh, the, our industries and work directly with them. We will have our brand associations and sponsorships that, you know, we want to be able to give something back. Our mission is to uh, promote sustainable local economies because it starts from within out. Mm -hmm. We're not going to try to be the conglomerate because even just for instance, uh, Uber, DoorDash last year made $189 billion. Mm -hmm. I have 1% of that. That's 18 billion. All I need is 1%. Yeah. But with that 1%, we want to make an impact. We want to give that back. You can imagine 30% plus 60% of $189 billion mm-hmm. would have went to the right people. Wow. Let's talk tactical or, and or practical. As an entrepreneur, what are some of the tools of the trade that you use to move your business forward? Word of mouth is always the best. But because we have a platform that is virtual and it's an intangible product, that we have an opportunity to outreach globally. So it's about the global, it's what we've learned is the advertising campaigns and the way that you outreach, you have to outreach for those local economies. You can't outreach the same way you do in Thailand as you do in France. There's just cultural barriers. There's, it's really about not being the corporate entity that said everybody has to assimilate to our path Mm -hmm. we are here to walk down the path their path and say hey oh this is what's down here you know let's all go pick some fruit now and (laughs) sit down have a picnic so we want to work with as many organizations as many nonprofits, any ways that that we can that we know that will impact the community because these are the individuals that are our merchants, our providers and couriers. These are the people that go home and actually use the services. And they're the ones that are depending on these platforms to give their revenue. Mm-hmm. So what do you use on a, a tool level? CRM? Do you use any marketing tools? What kind of tools are, you, are we using? Right now, it's been a lot of Google ads. It's been a lot of social influencers and affiliate marketing. Okay. So affiliate marketing is that uh, Uber has something that's similar. It's a, you refer a driver, you get like 10 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So, but it's limited to like one person. Okay. You can refer one person or something like that. So we have a very similar affiliate program that is unlimited. Okay. So it's $10 unlimited. That means that you refer anybody to the platform and they either become a merchant or they become a driver or give you deposit $10 in your account, unlimited. Nice. So you could do a thousand people refer, get $10,000 if you like. Okay. And mm-hmm. we do have that already set aside. 
Okay. So <laughs> so perhaps maybe one day Enterprise Now could be an, an affiliate for Lifeline. Already are. Uh, <laughs> nice. So as we wrap things up, Chanto, what piece of advice would you have for somebody who is looking to get started in the SaaS area, right? So, uh, software as a service, and they're kind of struggling with where, where to get started. What would you say to them? I would say the best thing to do is do your due diligence, your self-recon into the space you want to go to. And you want to assess and you want to really make sure that someone else isn't doing what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong because Uber's already doing what we're doing, but we have a different spin on it, which is what my advice is that make sure you find your spin on it. Find your spin because it's everybody can all spin together. (laughs) (laughs) Got it, cool, find your spin. That is a, a quotable, find your spin. Thank you so much for the time. I'm so glad we connected and I'm sure this won't be the last time that we chat. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about your your business and learn more about you, how can they do that? Wonderful. Yeah. We're taking uh, registrations right now for our beta testing on our website. It's at www.lifelinesystemsapp.com. We will be releasing the live market ready app here. I would say within the next 90 days, we're just working out a couple kinks and uh, getting some insurance in place. <laughs> okay. So what if I, can I stronghold a live launch right here on Enterprise Now when you guys are ready? We can chat through the, the launch, the features, and do it do it live and broadcast it out? That'd be great. That'd be great. We're actually um, going to be booking a couple locations and we would love that. That'd be great to even have a satellite broadcast from here. Oh, man. It's done. You guys heard it here. We're, we're doing it. It's, it's happening. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm looking forward to continued uh, conversation and, and working together. Thank you, my friend. This was uh, awesome. Let's do it again. Cool, cool. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.